Welcome to the Derwood Experience, where we talk seriously about nonsense. I'm Ethan. And I am Steve. And we're going to rehash personas for the third time, because why not? Because <laughs> now we have Steve here, who we can talk about. I'm an advocate we... for the idea of personas. Yeah. Yep. Which is what I thought. I, that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. And then I told Steve the story about how it was literally the week before that I realized I was the weird one not doing personas. That you're the same no matter what. Yeah, pretty much. It's just some of, some of my content is a premium feature, though, and you got to pay for that. So true. I, and I and I agree with that. Like if I start working with a new group of people. I am very much all business, all all day, 24-7, until I build up the creds that I know what I'm talking about. And then and then real Steve comes out. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you were. I mean, you were like you were new to our organization and the client at the same time. So yeah, you were like business Steve for sure. And then, and then you became dirty, Steve. Dirty, Steve. Yeah. Dirty, humorous, Steve. Skeevy, Steve. I don't know. Like when you say dirty, that can have a certain con connotation. Um, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not dirty. That, that comes out outside of work, which I've actually never seen. I've never been on those calls. Okay. I've only heard about them. That's not like I'm, I'm not, ex I haven't exactly cornered the market on that on those calls. <laughs> oh, right. Yes. <laughs> I may be a, 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 a willing participant, but it's not like I am the sole carrier of the banner. No, it's that's the call as everybody on the call, yeah, yes, from my yes. understanding. Yep. But I, and I, as I was talking to you, I think I, adopt a certain persona around my siblings, which is different. Um, and that may be due to the fact that I'm the youngest mm. of five. Um, but I also have a certain role that I play in that, in that organization as well. So. <laughs> I took a family it's all, study. It's all a varying, it's all a varying flavor of me but it's just slightly different i took a family studies class when i yeah um when i was going for my bachelor's and um that one of the things i learned was you the family's a system and it's actually not one system it's a system of systems right so if you're married that's a system your relationship with your kids is a system the whole family is a system and i'm like oh yeah that makes uh that makes a lot of sense so you're in that organization it's not that far off <laughs> yeah yeah so you talk about this class you took and i i look back on the different courses that i took through you know junior high high school college and how many of them were really incredibly useful for life. And I look back on, you know, even in junior high, I had this, you know, this elective for, you had like a quarter of each thing, you know, there was plastics and metals and woodworking and these other drafting and all these things. And <clears throat> I didn't get my first choice. I ended up with a semester of cooking and sewing. And that ended up being probably two of the best courses that set me up for life. I think it's very interesting that this obscure thing that I had way back when turned out to be really helpful. And I wish they had more courses like that. I think so. I think school's changing, right? The primary uh, focus of school is to train workers in society right and it's it's not necessarily to educate them in being 
functioning members. Um, but I think that's changing a little bit and there's more of that, right? Cause home ec, when I went was required, I don't, it wasn't required. I don't know how many years prior, but that was like a thing you had to do. You had to learn how to sew and cook and, you know, like I remember them, I had to do stuff in like elementary school about balancing a checkbook um, as well. You know, eighth grade doing a project where we were like a marketing firm and mm-hmm. all kinds of fun stuff. But yeah, I think some things that are like really missing from especially high school, interpersonal communication skills, um, conflict resolution, uh, those types of things. Critical thinking isn't something they really go over. Like I had a psych, like a right. psychology class that was required one for one semester in high school, like one, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, it's, uh, <clears throat> and so then you, if you go to college and you do generals, and I think most degrees require you to do generals, that's where you get one semester of critical thinking or one semester of interpersonal communications. And then it's up to the student to take away. So like I took an interpersonal communications class with a number of people. I know I'm the one that took away the most and implemented the most of that stuff uh, from anybody else. And they just were just going through the class that wasn't interesting to them. So. Do you think, do you think uh, we have people go to college too soon in their lives where they don't value what they're getting enough? Oh yeah. So I went, <clears throat> I went right what after you described. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of what you described where people are just, they're just punching in and punching out to get the grade and that's it. Well, and I, I think there's a, there's a shift that's happened, you know, and not my, after my generation, I'm technically a, a zennial, I think is the best term, right? Analog childhood, digital adulthood. Um, but on the, well, they call it the cusp in between Gen X and millennial, like depending on which thing you look at. Um, and so that was very much what it was. Like you just, you went to high school and then you went right to college right after that's how it was. That's what everybody before had done. There wasn't really talk of waiting to go to college or anything. Um, wages were really low. So like you really couldn't afford to not go to college, you know, college degree or college education was the way that you got um, like more money or set yourself up. And so I went right after high school. I actually didn't finish then though. And uh, I went back. It wasn't quite 10 years later. It was, it was like six years later. And then I went to a technical college and the value I feel was so much greater than I would have gotten at a regular university, right? Cause it was the whole it, community colleges and technical colleges. They're trying to teach you skills that you can use in whatever job you're doing right then. Yep. Um, and so it was very helpful. Right. But yeah, and was, I would like yeah. to clarify, by the way, when, when I said, People are going to school and they're punching in and punching out just to get the grade, get the class out of the way, move on. When I say they, I meant me. <laughs> I, I mean, that was totally me. It's like, I'm just taking this class. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get a good grade, but I wasn't really thinking about it in terms of what am I learning? I'm thinking about it as how am I going to get this grade that I want? That's what I did the first time, like right after high school. That's because uh, that's the mode you're in in high school. You're not necessarily true taking the content depending on what it is. Um, but then later, you know, even just six years later, uh, a different kind of frame of reference. Mm-hmm. And so there's still this push from K 12 education to go to college right after. I have friends, we've talked about it and we're like, what the heck, what are these teachers like putting so much pressure on these students to go to school right after when there's like 
you don't need that anymore to be successful in a lot of spaces. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, my, I mean, that's my parents just, you know, that's what it was. You go to school, you get a good education, you get good grades. And that was the key. And now that's changed. And so it's, you don't yep. need to go, to, if you want more school, go to school. Like if you want to learn for sure, do that. But if you're killing yourself at school and you hate school, do not do that. <laughs> Just right. do something yep. else. Yeah. Take if a, school is take not a break. Your, right. Yeah. If school is stressful and anxiety and it's not a, it's not a space you're comfortable in. Yeah. Yeah. And totally there's a, like, it'll, I mean, it should still be there. I don't foresee post-secondary education going away um, anytime soon. And so it's like, you can go back. There's nothing wrong with, cause I went back. So I was a little bit, just a little bit older, you know, like six years older than some of the people that were doing the PSEO um, option from high school. So there was like a couple seniors and then there were some kids that were right out of high school. And it's, it was hilarious the lack of motivation that these students had, right? They just, (laughs) I remember, I remember one time specifically I'm going to class and it's at night and I'm like an adult and there was like another adult and he was talking to the teacher. He's like, well, I didn't know about the assignment. And she just pointed at the board and she's like, it's right there. How did you not know that the assignment was due? And I'm like, doing, what are you guys doing, man? (laughs) Yeah. Like I took, my education. The other adult said that. Yeah, the other no, the I I just thought that's myself because the other adult was trying to say, I didn't, you know, um, I didn't know that we had an assignment due, and the teacher's like, it's right there. Plus, it was on a, a tool, an online tool they used, as well. But yeah, I took my education really seriously, uh, the second time around. I paid for it both times, by the way. So it's like nobody helped me. <laughs> I think my parents gave me like one semester the first time, which I got into like a special program. So I think it was a good deal for them. Um, mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason why I stopped the first time around was it just, I wasn't, I wasn't there to actually get an education. So the second time around, I was a full-time student and I was working full-time. We, um, we had one kid and another one on the way at the end. And I did, it was real tough. It was supposed to be a two-year program, but in order to actually make that happen, I had to do four semesters of um, full-time work. And then I had to do two summer terms that the amount of credits I ended up taking because it was a compressed term ended up being one and a half times you know, it was like 16 credits, but it's half as long as a regular semester. And I had these, I worked for, I worked at a store and, um, I was like in charge of a thing. And these, these poor kids, these, like these kids in high school were like, I got a test. I'm like, you know, I go to school full-time, right? Like I, I work full-time and I go to school full-time. Like you can freaking calm down about your 30 hours and come to work. It was so great because they didn't, there was nothing, you know, they didn't really have anything. <laughs> sure. Was this Sam Goody or something? No, this was a, a store that has good buys. Okay. <laughs> Sam Goody was earlier. Way, way back in the day. That was a good time, man. <laughs> what was your first job? Well, technically, I worked for my dad. Okay. So he was an abstractor and he's a small business. So I did that for two summers when I was 13 and 14. And then the first place I went by myself was Subway because I loved Subway. Okay. How long were you at Subway? Oh, maybe only a year. I don't, maybe two years. Like, I don't really remember driving to there too many times. Like, I remember riding my bike a lot. So, 
And I think Sam Goody was after that. I had one job, I got a job, and then um, I was supposed to start, but we were skiing. And I called the dude from the, I'm like, I'm not coming in. And he's like, today, I'm like, I don't think ever. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's like the first day I wasn't going to make it because I was skiing. And then I was just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not coming in ever. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I cannot see you doing that. That's funny. Mind blown. <laughs> well, that's the, yeah, no schedule kind of thing. Where were you skiing? Oh, I think we we're at Buck Hill. Okay. Local here. Yeah. That makes sense. Yep. I don't I don't think we we're I don't think we we're too far away, but What's your dream job? Mm. Besides what you're doing today. I, you know, I don't know. It's, um, and is there a dream job on your current career trajectory? And is there a dream job? Like, Hey, if you could go back and rewrite everything professional skier. No. So like, probably not a dream job on the current trajectory. Like I just, I mean, I kind of happen to be good at these things that I do now, I suppose. Um, I don't know that there is like a dream job. I do feel like that dude from office space <laughs> where I'm like, I just want to do nothing. <laughs> hey, Peter. Yeah. So it's, I mean, I kind of used to think that like, you know, getting paid to play video games would be cool. But a few years ago, like I realized I'm like, well, that's what I do for fun. Um, and if I had to do that every day for like eight to 10 hours a day or 12 hours a day, I might not like it as much. Yep. So. Yeah, I don't know. I always thought it'd be cool to be like a roller coaster designer or something. I was always into weather, so like a meteorologist maybe. But those are all like those things, there's so few of those positions available. Sure. And when I was in school the first time, in college the first time, I had a I was in a programming class. It was object oriented Delphi. Okay. <laughs> Nobody knows what that is because it was only around for that semester I took it. <laughs> Was it really? <laughs> it was like I knew the... it didn't last long, but I remember it. I remember Delphi. Well, yeah. yeah, Delphi was around for a little bit, but object-oriented Delphi was not around hardly at all. But I remember the teacher telling me, you know, he had said that there were going to be too many tech jobs and not enough people in the future. And I'm like, yeah, right. Not in the object-oriented Delphi space. <laughs> he was... <laughs> He was off a little bit. It wasn't even in the back end space. It was in the front end UX space. There was a channel talking about um, the renaissance for all the things that I know, which is good. So like basic, Fortran, Pascal, COBOL, mm. assembler. Yeah. So I feel like I'm set up really good for the next, you know, 15 years. First client I went, no, the second client I went to, they had they had a portal application that they were trying to sunset that was built in Cold Fusion. I mean, and like 10 years ago, it was old then. <laughs> yeah. It was like built by this one random developer that only worked part-time that didn't live here. And they're Perfect. like, can you get time with him? I'm like, no, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to talk about this. Like he doesn't care about this. So, yeah. Awesome.
Yeah, that was another one that didn't last for very long. Did you expect to be a developer? No, I so the first time in college, like I'd taken, I've been interested in computers for a really long time. And so I did, um, that was the path I was going down initially was a computer science degree. It was originally mathematics. And then I changed it to computer science because it was like a two class difference and you get a computer science degree and a math minor. <laughs> yes, why wouldn't you do that? And I took that object-oriented programming class. It may have been, it, there may have been something else, but like, I'm pretty sure it was that class. And we get to the, the final thing and I couldn't get my code to work. And I learned I have a three-hour limit for debugging code. And it turns out that limit wasn't three hours per thing. That was a, a lifetime limit. That I hit ah, in that one class. <laughs> awesome. So I was, I'm like, I am not going to be a developer. I'm out. So, yeah. What about you? It's your dream job. I, I don't think it's in the field I'm in. Um, well, I think it's, it's good uh, enough. Historian of the Peloponnesian War, right? That could definitely be in there. Uh, could be uh, ornithological archaeologist. Mm, that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Um, maybe like a, uh, a wilderness guide. That would be fun. But again, to your point that you said earlier, okay, that all that sounds fun and it would be, you know, a passion, but when it becomes your job, does it lose some of its fun? I don't know. Well, it's a, you know, <clears throat> I feel like my point was validated. I, I watched some Twitch, some Twitch, just some Twitch. And um, mm -hmm. I've seen streamers on there when they get burnt out, you know, there's one of them, they were, they streamed one game in particular and they were just being like very honest one particular day. And they're like, the last thing I want to do is play this game. They're like, I want to play any other game, but this game right now, but their whole community had been built around this game, you know, so all their income and everything. And then I've, I've see other streamers that it's same thing. They build their community on one game. And then when they play other games, Sometimes their community lashes out at them that they're not playing the game that they want them to, um, or their viewer count is down, you know, so that's a revenue loss if their viewer counts down, it's not as many, um, they're not getting as much used viewer engagements, they're not getting as many donations or mm -hmm. cheers, they may lose subscriptions. Um, yeah, so like, it seems cool to be like a content creator, but at the same time, like, maybe not. Yep. Yeah, I've seen that with YouTuber, YouTubers as well, where, you know, a few that I've subscribed to you know, about various things, all of a sudden they just get burned out and they're like, I've taken a break for a while. And I'm sure what goes through their mind is, if I take a break, does this stream stop? Does that, does that, do, do the, does the subscriber counts go down? Will I get that audience back if I'm not putting something out there every week? Um, so yeah, I've, I've seen some people thing. talk about that. Yeah, they they feel pressured to be putting content out every week. You know, that's why they have multiple. Now the thing to do is have multiple channels, so they can have other content other places, and they don't lose anything from their main one. YouTube, I think, is a little bit different than. You know, because that can be residual, whereas streaming is like right now. And sure. that's, you know, if you're not streaming, you're not making money. If the only thing you do is stream and you don't have content anywhere else that can be residual or growing your community in some other way. Good point. So, yeah, and same with like, I mean, that that's my mentality of this podcast is the way that it is, is this is fun. 
this is like a hobby that's something that I want to do. And if we put too many constraints around it, then it becomes not that. Then it becomes like, right, the whole point is the editing is supposed to be a fairly small lift. No, no topic, trying not to cut stuff out, right? It just, whatever we say gets put out there for the most part. Unless you make a really stupid joke like I did last time, then I'll cut it out. Really? Well, I don't remember that, so we'll talk about it later. Yeah, well, uh, you go listen to it and see if you can figure out what I cut out. Okay. Yeah, it's, I, don't I don't even think remember. it was like, I don't even think it was a minute long. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, most people I know, they, they like what they do for work. They don't hate it, but it's not like the thing that they wanted to do their whole life. Right. I know very few people. And usually those people are like, I've always wanted to be a doctor or a nurse or something like that. Right. Those are the kinds of people that I meet. <clears throat> you know, it's not like I've wanted to be a cyclist my whole life. I've never, <laughs> I've never met people that are like that, you know, or I wanted to be an artist my whole life and then do something with, you know, their art degree. That was the other like thing. To know, Go ahead. I would on the art degree thing, I would like to know who has gone and gotten an art degree and is now doing something with it. And what are they doing? Like, I would love to get a massive cross section of everyone that that is doing something with that and publicize that to give younger artists like oh i could go and do that because to me it seems this is of course from the non-artist it seems very limited like what can you do but i'm sure there are avenues at which people could be doing things and i wish that was made more readily available or accessible or publicized or whatever anyway i interrupted you no Sorry. so i had i've you know I'm like an oddball because I know I, it's right? like, it's really obvious at this point that I am so <laughs> like, I do think analytically and things like numbers make sense to me fairly easily. But then I also have this like weird abstract creative side where abstract things don't scare me and I can understand them. Maybe that's why numbers make sense to me, but I took a, and the first time around in college, I took an art history class. I liked art. You know, I did that in high school as um, working with mediums other than like pen and paper. So drawing wasn't really my thing, but like sculpting and um, working with pottery, not the shaman kind of pottery, but making like bowls and clay yeah clay pottery kiln <clears throat> yeah that was my kind of stuff um and then i go right after high school and i take this art history class and i'm like this is boring i do not care because <laughs> <laughs> awesome. we're just we're like in a lecture hall looking at art talking about art and i'm like i'm not interested in any of this so it's yeah I mean, you don't need, if you want to be an artist, any of that stuff, anything you ever want to do, you just do it and you practice it. That's how you get good. That's it. <laughs> there are some people that have genetic advantages that their starting point is farther ahead, but, um, if they don't practice, they, they won't get better. And at some point people that do practice that started farther behind will surpass them. So yeah, like if I wanted to be good at drawing, I just kept drawing. That's what, that's what I would have done. Sure. Having the, having the motor skills to do it, that's one thing, but what about like the, the creative side that says, having the idea of what to 
draw or what to paint or what to sculpt. Because you still got to have the idea and you still have to make it look interesting. It can't just be, well, this is this drawing is anatomically correct. Good job. But what does it say? You know, there's got to be something behind it. Anatomically correct. Nice. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so I mean, that's, uh, I just hit the microphone. Bummer. <laughs> Boop. <laughs> I, I see an idea. Know. I didn't even really hear that. Yeah, you wouldn't. I don't know if it'll pick up. We'll see, because I'm not doing the original sound, so I want to see what it sounds like. Hopefully it doesn't sound like ass. So you're expecting it to be different than the previous podcasts? Yep. Okay. All right. Yep. But, you know, it's even, you want to do a podcast, you just got to start doing it because you're not good. People that are good have been doing it or they've been doing something like it. That's why they're good at it. You know, sure, they got the, the muscle memory. Right. You know, you, Steve and I are good at, we're good at what we do because we've done it for a while. Steve's done it for a lot longer than I have, but. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> I'm just not going to get away from that, am I? No, nope. Never. The muscle memory is funny that you say that because you said that and the thing I thought about right away was video games and how even just the same thing with them. You want to be good at a game, you got to play it a lot. And so these True. people, people that are the best in the world, they have thousands and thousands of hours in these video games. You know, they play all the time. But even if, yeah. if you switch from one game to another, that muscle memory will trip you up because now, right. Especially if you do it at this, like back to back, it totally screws you up. But even I'd been playing, see if these is a game I've been playing for a little while. Apex is a game I picked up again recently and I've been playing more Apex and see if thieves. And so when I have, when I've been playing Apex, it's a little bit more complicated. So there's a lot more movements that you need to do with your left hand and when you switch back to sea of thieves things aren't mapped the same so if one example is putting your weapon away in apex it's the number three key by default and in sea of thieves it's x and that freaking trips you up all the time because three in sea of thieves is to pull out your food <laughs> not run away faster <laughs> sure no, I know what you're talking about. I've got a first-person shooter that I've been playing for many, many years. And I coded the keys for certain things that were all reachable by my left hand, like all on the left side of the keyboard. And I programmed it that way. And when I would share my settings with other players, they'd get them and they might customize them or they might leave them the same. And every once in a while, somebody will say, what's the key for this? And I'm like, I don't know. I'd have to, I'd actually have to play because I don't even consciously think about what key I'm hitting. It's a, it's a location where my hand reaches. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I learned, um, I don't, I don't memorize passwords by, what they actually are i memorize them by keystroke and i learned that because i'd hurt i'd hurt my hands or one of them and i couldn't do it as fast and i couldn't type my password in <laughs> so it's, it's not even just the keystroke it's the speed of the actual keystroke and if i have to go slower i screw it up <laughs> really <laughs> Yeah. Huh. Interesting. I think for me, it depends on which password it is. Based on all the varying passwords that I have and the, the way they're structured and using different, different uh, encryption types or whatever. Yeah. Encryption types, meaning 
how how do I have it organized in my head? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Before password managers, we were getting you know online was becoming a bigger thing, and I one password wasn't a good idea, so I needed some variations. And one day at work, I was bored, and so like I sat there and basically like just picked random letters and numbers and upper or lowercase and just put them together in a weird way and then just memorized them as like <laughs> wow so it's like it didn't even like i would just like i think i threw dice actually to oh, even make yeah. it happen <laughs> that's bizarre it's yeah. unbreakable <clears throat> no it's totally breakable <laughs> So password managers are the way to go for sure. It's fun looking through my password manager, updating a password or looking for a password because then there's websites in there I haven't touched for like five years. Takes me back, man. Like my anything related to WoW, I haven't touched that forever. Your AOL account? No. WoW, World of Warcraft. I know. I was using something even older. <laughs> That's probably so old you didn't even know what AOL was. Oh, I was around when we got those discs. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Man, those used to still come in the mail long after AOL was kind of dead. Yeah. Yep. They hold that. It's funny to see people that have AOL emails now. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, it's even, it's odd to even see somebody with a Yahoo email address that they like, that's the one they use. So yep. if you don't have a Gmail account, you're not anybody. <laughs> what about Hotmail? Hotmail. Um, <clears throat> I think I have a I have a Hotmail and an MSN account. MSN's a throwback too. Yes. So I'm looking at a, a distribution list I have for random people, not a cross section of society, if you will. Yep. Couple of Hotmails, a lot of Gmails, a few Yahoos. Um. An MSN, but predominantly well, MSN, MSN you couldn't you couldn't get for free. You had to buy that. You had to have, um, like DSL service hmm. through MSN. Interesting. Yeah, Hotmail was Hotmail that. was free. Yep. I had a Hotmail. I still do. I haven't looked at it in a long time, but I still have it. Yeah, I've got some, I have a number of custom domains too. Do you keep any CRT monitors around just for old time's sake? No, they're all dead. I haven't had... I don't even know how long it's been since I've had a CRT monitor, but I do remember. Um, do you know? Do you know what a LAN party is? Oh yeah. Okay. I'm assuming everybody knows, but for those that don't, it stands for local area network party. <laughs> Pre-internet. <laughs> well, the internet was there. It just oh, most yeah. games. Up. Most games didn't yeah. support. It, there was no. True. Yeah. You know, they didn't do multiplayer via online. Multiplayer right. only existed on local local networks. And so we would all have to physically go to the same place. And so I had ordered I had a CR I had this big CRT monitor and a computer custom built. Your and so big I, tower. Yeah, yeah. So I ordered these carrying straps. And I'd have my CRT monitor and then I'd have my computer and I had a place for my keyboard, my mouse, my headphones. And the CRT monitor was so heavy 
that every time I used it, I would get a bruise across my shoulder. Wow. <laughs> Just carrying it from the car to wherever it was going to be. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. That, that I used to, this was, of course, back in the day when, when laptops were not as light as they are today. They yeah. were a little heavier. And I was carrying my laptop to and from work. And it was a long walk from the parking lot. Um, and I'd never put two and two together until I had this golf ball sized knot in my back shoulder. <laughs> and I went to the doctor and the doctor's like, you know, what do you do for work? And, you know, I explained what I did. Oh, do you carry a laptop? Yeah. Which shoulder do you carry it on? My right one. Doctor's <laughs> like, hello. <laughs> Why don't you carry it on your left shoulder for a while? I'm like, oh, okay. Did they prescribe some maliofacial foam rolling with a, no, a crossbow? No, it was, uh, you know, it was like some kind of anti-inflammatory thing. And then just carry it on your left shoulder for a while. Yeah. Foam rolling. A crossbow would take care of that in a week or two. It would have been yeah, very. We talked about foam rolling. That was it would have been very painful for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've only had this information 72 years ago. Yep. Thanks. <laughs> That's all right. So I'm part of this. I'm part of this community. And um, there's a woman <laughs> barely. Let me. So she's 18. Okay. And it's in this community. And I find it hilarious because she's only like a year older than my oldest daughter. Wow. So like, I kind of wonder, I'm like, I wonder if I'm older than her parents. I'm not that I'm, I was, we had kids pretty young, so it's very, very unlikely. We are much younger than most everybody we knew that had kids. So, and we're in this weird spot where all of our older friends, they're 10 years older than us. Their youngest kids are as old as our oldest kids. And then our younger friends, their oldest kids are as old as our youngest are. And we're like in the freaking middle. I was, I was typically on the leading edge of that whole thing. <laughs> like right now, it's like, ah, my children are out of the house. I'm good. And everybody's like, oh, we're, you know, we're dealing with, as you know, as you pointed out, we're dealing with, uh, you know, school during a pandemic. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm glad I don't have to I don't have to deal with that. And I you know, appreciate the people who have to deal with it and have figured it out and problem solved that. But that's one one of the few good things about having kids when I was very young. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, it's a, well, it's interesting to go back to the dream job. Right. So the if there's any dream job, it's to spend as much time with my family as possible. So working from home has always been very appealing because I don't have the traffic associated with having to go to a place. And it's actually been really nice. I mean, the kids have been home as well. So like we've got a home for like a year. It's been really fun and cool and we get to hang out. We, it's a bummer because we don't really get to do anything else because everything's closed and we are you know, if we're going to, we have opted not to travel because we don't want to do any kind of quarantine periods. When we get back, we don't want to risk getting it or infecting anybody else. So it's been cool. I mean, it's been real nice and, you know, kind of validating of that's a thing that I can do and would like to do. And there's value in it. Right. Sure. So if I could play video games for like four hours a day, and get paid like what I get paid now, that'd probably be cool. <laughs> if I could like, you know, just sit with my dog and pet my dog for a few hours a day and get paid for that, <laughs> that'd be good. It's really, I, I do. It's, it's interesting because you watch these streamers or at least I do. And, you know, these people are busting their ass and sometimes they have like really cool equipment 
but a lot of times they don't they just have like toaster equipment and here i'm like oh i think i'm gonna try that and then i just go like buy a bunch of stuff and i'm like oh that's really you know and then i realize i'm like they can't do that like because that's their job like their job is playing video games and they have to like work super hard at that to get better equipment mm-hmm. you know they don't have separate income like i do which isn't that's what i do right so i wonder you know during the i was mentioning my dog and apparently there was a big spike in pet ownership during the pandemic and i look at how happy my dog is to have somebody home all day long um i wonder what's going to happen for all those pets when their owner has to go back to work now hopefully companies have realized as you have pointed out that people are just as productive if not more from home and there is some sort of reasonable hybrid model that is adopted if not a full-time work from home but It'll be interesting to see what happens with pets and how many of them have difficulty adjusting. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention people. I will have a difficult time adjusting to the whole, oh, you got to drive into work today. Hmm. Yeah. My plan is to push that off as long as possible. Yep. So we'll see. It's, I mean, it's, it's our space too, is like real, you know, in the IT space has been a thing for a long time. This isn't new information to any of us, but now that everybody else sees it now living where you want to live and working somewhere else remotely all the time should be a lot more feasible for people. So I can go work now at a company in Australia without having to go to Australia. Or you could go live in Australia and work for a company here. Right. Yeah. Right. (laughs) That would be what I would do. What would be the appeal of working for an Australian company? I don't know. Maybe more money. Oh, okay. Do they pay better there? Oh, I think the exchange is better. Uh, I think that's what it is. Then you have all this new lingo too to teach us. Yep. Mate, crikey, Baramundi. Well, I don't think I. I don't think I pick up. I'm not one of those people that like. Um, speaks differently based on my surroundings. You don't think you'd adopt some of the words? Not necessarily that you'd adopt, not not like you'd have the accent or anything, but like if you just picked up some of the words, the lingo, you don't think you'd you'd become a product of your surroundings to that degree? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe. I'm inclined to say no, but I don't know. Uh, I would totally, I would totally adopt the lingo. That is my way. It'd be fun. I'd look at it as a challenge to figure out what does that word mean and can I use it in the proper context? Well, that's it. I mean, I think we've talked, I don't know if we've talked about this. So like the IT crowd is a great, hilarious British comedy, right? And so there's this really funny, there's this really funny episode where um, they're talking about the trash diet that these guys are on. And so one of them, one of the people says to the other one, what'd you have for breakfast today? And the response is smarty cereal. Right. And they go, the other person, I didn't know smarties made a cereal. They don't. It's just Smarties in a bowl with milk, right? So Smarties, I'm dying of laughter because Smarties are mm-hmm. chalky candy that I love. And 
eating a bowl of that eating a bowl of it is hilarious and then putting milk on it is just so i'm dying and i've watched that episode like Mm -hmm. i've you know that that show had been out for a long time it wasn't until years later i learned smarties in the uk are completely different than in the united states when they say smarty it's like an m&m style candy oh which (laughs) that's really funny too but also not as funny in the United States because I think a lot of cereal is basically already there. <laughs> like just M&Ms in a bowl with milk. That's yes. not too far off from like Reese's right. Puff cereal. <laughs> yes. So that's, I mean, stuff like that where, you know, that, but yeah, all the British idioms. I love that. <clears throat> One of the people that I watch on Twitch is, uh, they're from Britain. And at least once a month we get into we kind of bait them into this, like they're, they're streaming with someone that's from the United States and we're like, say all these words. And we make them say all the words that they, they say differently, like aluminum. (laughs) Isn't it like aluminum or something? Yeah. Aluminium. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, it's, you know, that's watching British shows is hilarious because of exactly that. Cause you don't necessarily, you don't necessarily know exactly what it means, but you know, it's funny. Sure. Like awesome. I, there's another episode in that show where it's like, uh, you know, um, they're both nerds working in the IT group and the mailman comes down and talks to one. And he's like, hey, did you see the game last night? And the other guy's like, oh, yeah, that's, what's, what were they thinking? We're walking it in at the last minute or whatever. And the the mailman leaves, and the other nerd's like, how'd you do that? You just said football things in a football voice. Right? So they're talking about soccer, and it's like a jock stereotype. <laughs> but, like, you know, Arsenal, West Ham, like, none of those things make any I don't know those things. They don't make any sense to me. <laughs> right but it's still funny um i'm trying to think of the the british duo that uh, does little comedy sketches um it's gonna escape my thing but they do a football one that is just priceless and really um kind of hit me right between the eyes like, you know, being a fervent sports fan, getting so excited and the sketch that they do, which for the life of me, I got to find, I got to figure out what it is, but um, um, they do the sketch. It's not rocket science. You know that one? No. Um, all right. I'll find it. Um Mitchell and Webb, you know, Mitchell and Webb. Anyway, they do a a great brain surgeon rocket science sketch, but they also do this football one, which is uh, of course about soccer. Um, But they go on and on about, this is going to be the greatest match that'll determine the champion this year, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like, you know, like it's making it to be some huge thing, but it's really only just for this year. And then we start it all over again next year. And that one, that one sort of hit me right, right between the <laughs> eyes. Like, yeah, I guess I, I guess I did used to get all that all jazzed about whatever, when, you know, is, does it really mean that much? Uh, maybe not. It's like, it's funny watching shows. So like eight out of 10 cats is a show that I enjoy. Um, there's one about lying that's kind of funny. So like David Mitchell, I've seen him on a bunch of stuff, but I don't have the context. Like, I'm like, I don't understand why this guy's famous. I don't know what his background is. Like, well, he's a comedian. Okay. That makes a lot of sense now. Right. <laughs> I've only ever seen him on these shows and he's like, he's a guest on one, but like permanent on another one. So I also know top gear, you know, the, Jeremy Clarkson and James May and mm-hmm. Richard Hammond. Hilarious. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I have not, I did not, I haven't watched any of the other ones since they went over to Amazon. I just watched the ones on Amazon. Okay. So, so you talked about 
watching a lot of streaming like give me an idea of like how much time in a given week would you watch somebody streaming mm, i don't know so one of the communities i mod for so it depends on how many times they stream and for how long okay. um as well for probably when i first started doing it, it was quite a bit because i wasn't really playing video games at the time either so i was just doing that um like is it two hours a week is it 10 hours a week is it 20 hours a week no i want to say 20. really okay but i think i think it's gone down quite and a are bit you multitasking lately. while you're watching this or are you just watching it usually i'm just watching right so okay. if you're being a moderator in one um you kind of have a job that you got to do so and i kind of take that a little seriously because a so lot of the other people some of them yeah so and a lot of times well one of the ones that i mod for they some of the other mods play on the stream with this person as well so it's like i'm like it'd be fun to play with you guys but at the same time it's like we should have one person that's kind of dedicated to doing that job <laughs> sure so but that's i've been i it didn't really start i didn't really get into twitch too much until the pandemic right where okay couldn't really see friends. We were all kind of Zoom meeting out until there's this other medium for a community. And so I find it fascinating building a community via online only. And how some of those interpersonal skills completely translate into online. Like I feel like there's still the ability to determine whether someone's a D-bag or not completely exists online like and it's the same yeah. speed it's not like that's the other thing it's not like there's any figuring out it's like almost instantaneous like it is in person it's super weird to me i was very surprised by that some people can't contain themselves and have to show whom they really are <laughs> But maybe that, but maybe, maybe you detect it sooner than others. Keep that in mind. Like sometimes I might think I'm online and somebody's doing something and I'm like, well, that, that seems like a asshattery maneuver, but maybe, maybe they mean it some other way and I might give them a pass and you might be like, nope, that person's this, here's why, blah, blah, blah. And maybe it's, Maybe your antenna are work online as well as in person. That's a, yeah, that's right? basically what I've kind of determined is exactly that, which I didn't expect. Yeah, so maybe you have an antenna, a satellite dish, uh, a... You're dating you know, yourself with all these technologies, by the way. Uh, <laughs> a a uh, laser thermometer. Um Trying to think what else can measure things. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you've, it's got definitely, all, maybe you've got all that equipment in your brain. Yeah, it's definitely something where you can. So for me, it's two parts. One is to be able to tell whether or not someone's being authentic. And then whether or not that person's a D-bag. Right, because okay. you don't, you don't, you don't have to be authentic. Like you can have a persona on and I can pick up on that but not be a D bag. Like they're not mutually, ex they're, they're not mutually exclusive. And can you pick up on both? Yeah, totally. Okay. So like hmm. this one, as one person that like, I kind of got into Twitch, it was just like the minute I saw him, I'm like, this person's like, they're just like a wholesome, amazing person, right? They're not, they're in the UK. So like not even the same country. And so they totally are. They also have a little bit of a streaming persona. So it changes a tiny bit. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that it's just because of the job, right? Because their, their role sure. is a little bit of an entertainer. So when they're off their stream on somebody else's stream, you know, they 
but I've seen that with other streamers. So I don't even know that it's fair to call it a persona, but you can tell, at least I can tell that it's not necessarily, it's not the same experience you would get if you were just with them one-on-one. -on -one. How do you, how do you tell whether someone's being authentic or not? I don't know. <laughs> you just, haven't put you haven't figured this out to a science like no. if this box gets checked then i go down this path and i check this and i have this flow chart that i walk through mentally without thinking about it or is it just like you just get a feeling yeah there's just like a vibe or a feeling okay hmm. interesting yeah <laughs> it is <laughs> i'm gonna have to like offline ask you let's take this offline i know how you love that phrase though there was something else i needed to bring up too you know you know i watch you when we do these streams or these uh podcasts and you are really unflappable <laughs> that was the other one i wanted to bring up which is a great word i thought it was funny that you had this weird reaction to it i'm like i don't know that's pretty much you well um, well because it was like a so a friend had done a review. He was a friend and I worked with him um, at a place. And so our organization, we do kind of, it's like a weird 360 review that we do. For those of you that are familiar with that in the supervision management space, <clears throat> not a fan of 360 reviews, by the way, they usually provide little value. But <laughs> anyway, so we do those. So he provided feedback and the word he he's like, he is unflappable. That's what he said, but no one had ever heard that word before. So like my, uh, you know, the person that got there, he's like, I had to go look it up. <laughs> oh my God. He was just, he was one of those guys. Like he always used words, uh, to seem like very intellectual is, is really funny. Um, so it, it was like totally in character for him to say something like that rather than just say like laid back or even keel which is what everybody else would say right he would use some weird word <laughs> yeah but unflappable means something different slightly albeit it's close i will defend him in this case <laughs> maybe because it sounds like me doing that on people's reviews as I throw stuff <laughs> like that probably. although i've often been told like Hey, did you say this? This was in my review. It had to have been you because it was, <laughs> you know, something totally goofy and accurate, but goofy. You know, it was, it was feedback, but in a kind of a lighthearted, right. uh, jovial manner, which is the language of my people. <laughs> jovial, that's the language of your people. <laughs> no, just being goofy. <laughs> Like yeah, I so won't that's just a, say I won't just say he's laid back. Like I would never say right. that on your review. I would put something, you know, you would very say flowery, yeah. yeah, very flowery, and you know, provide some example in there. But I would make it an entertaining phrase to read. I'm, I guess that would be where I would go. Is I, right. yeah. I'm aiming for entertainment as well as content. Yeah, so like I could see that. So like unflappable wouldn't be, to me, it wouldn't be a word that you would pick. Right, because that's not in that same style, right? Unflappable is a word you pull out to show that you know that word that's not used hardly ever for anything. <laughs> he just like it just it cracks me up because like he like he and like we we're good friends, you know, we got along. He's a great guy, but it just like it's just so spot on, like his personality to do that. <laughs> that's funny. And it was a, one of my favorite moments was someone had said um, <clears throat> they they'd used the word confab. We were having a discussion with like four people mm -hmm. and they had they didn't say well they did. They were like, you go off and you have a confab and then you come back. And the same friend called them out and was like, you didn't use that word correctly. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay. I'm going to check and I pull my phone out and I'm like definition of confab and I read it off and I'm like, that's what you were saying, right? He's like, yes, that was, that's exactly it. He's like, so I used it correctly. 
So it was a little Sweet. back and little back and forth. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, we got distracted by unflappable. I can't remember what you we said did. first. We did. I, I think. Well, well, we were talking about your superpower. Yeah. Of the ability to know when someone is being authentic or not. But you don't have an exact science developed around that. It's just it's a it's more of a, a chakra and uh, crystals for you at this point. You just kind of you don't know the magic. You just are able to do it. It's a um, it's definitely a skill that you can get and that you have to practice like that. I can tell.